In today's show, we're talking Orlando Magic, a season preview with Philip Rossman Reich of the Locked On Magic podcast. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at redrock underscore bball on TikTok at redrock underscore bball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free. We are available on all platforms. Today's episode is brought to you by Fangio Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fangio.com slash locked on today to get started. Yesterday, we did the Milwaukee Bucks. Today, it's the Orlando Magic. We're going to have two shows coming a day for the next couple of weeks. So we're going to talk Magic today. We're going to be looking at a bunch of questions that we have for this Magic team. So we might as well bring in the host of the Locked On Magic podcast. It's Philip Rossman Reich. Phil, welcome back to the show. I'm glad to be back, Josh. It's my my favorite favorite call of the year every year. We do this every year. We have done it for many, many years now. I think since basically Locked On started 2016, I think is when we started much, doing yeah. this. So it has been a uh, it's been a long time, and it's good to have you here because this Magic team is in a bit of a different situation than it's been in previous years. Other years they've been fringe playoff teams, seven, eight seeds, and then in the rebuilding years. And now we're we're coming out of that rebuilding era, I guess. And that's one of the things we're going to touch on in today's show. But we're heading into a, a uh, an exciting period for Orlando Magic basketball. We're just going to cover some of the basics here early on. Let's just have a look at the changes of the roster. There's not many changes they made. Phil, they bring in Anthony Black and Jed Howard through the draft. They signed Joe Ingles, they waved Bol Bol, and then Jay Scrub and Michael Carter-Williams were two players who played for the Magic last season, and they're no longer there. So very clearly, that's a big, big upgrade, even though they only made a few moves. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, the, the, the one, I mean, and we'll get into this, I'm sure, but the one thing that really cost the Magic throughout last year was they just had so many injuries early in the season, yeah. and depth, and look, I, I'm a big believer that in the NBA, there's talent everywhere. What, what truly defines whether a team can be successful or not is whether they have guys in the right roles. And, and when your depth is constantly strained and, and you don't have a bench that can kind of sustain you and, and help you weather some of the storms that, that are inevitable in an 82-game season, that's where you see teams like really crash in the standings. That's where you see some teams rise in the standings. And so, you know, I, I think what the Magic did this offseason, they didn't change a lot, obviously. And, and you know, there's definitely reasons for that. But they feel like they're very deep. Like we'll talk about this very, very shortly. I'm, I'm sure, but there's going to be some players on this team that you would expect to play that are probably not going to play as much as you think. Yeah, there's there is a crunch, right? There is a, a crunch of players on this team that we are going to, to have to get into. But let's again, we we'll cover some of the basics we need to. Let's talk about. I don't know how much we're going to have to talk about this guy this season, but Jonathan Isaac had uh, another surgery at the end of last season on his groin. Now we are always going to be in a, we're always going to be fraught with danger to suggest, oh yeah, John, he's going to be ready. He's going to be ready for training camp because yeah, we've said that for three years in a row and it's never happened in injuries that take 12 months, take 36 months to return from. But do we believe that Jonathan Isaac is going to be healthy for training camp? 
Um, all indications are that he will be, uh, when, when he had the surgery, um, back, uh, back in March or April, whenever it was, um, it was described as minor surgery, mm, um, mm. which, you know, does minor surgery actually exist when he has the injury history that he has? I, nope. I, I don't know, but, um, he's, you know, he's come out publicly and he's spoken and some of the outlets that he speaks to, I don't typically like to frequent, but he has spoken publicly, uh, that he expects to be ready for training camp. Um, it it certainly sounds like he's going to be ready for camp and uh, you know, he's, he's played now. Uh, so at least we have 11 games of him playing to say like, okay, he could still, he can still play basketball, whether, you know, whether he'll be under any type of restriction, whether there'll be a minute restriction, whether there'll be a back to back restriction. We don't really know what the plan is with him considering he's played 11 games now in three seasons, but all indications are he is going to be good to go for camp. And if you watched him play in the limited minutes that he had last year, he can still make a very big impact on this team. Yeah, he looked sort of like the same guy in those limited minutes. Now, obviously, in those limited minutes, he knew that he was playing limited minutes, so he was going really hard at certain you know, certain areas, didn't worry about fouls, didn't worry about any of that, and the shot wasn't... It was his, All his numbers and percentages were either massively high or massively low. They, were, they hadn't stabilized, which is fine. Um, but you talk about limited minutes, I, I think he's going to be limited in terms of... Well, he's just not going to be a starter on this team, so there's an inherent limit put on his role there because he's not going to play over Franz Wagner, and he's not going to play over Paolo Bunkero. So he's going to, at, at best, at absolute best, be the sixth man on this team, I, I would guess. I know there will we, definitely be someone who's watching this who will advocate for, no, let's push Franz down to the two, and then you know he can start there. But like we saw we saw Franz at the two at times last season, and Phil, you referenced those injuries. It didn't go particularly well when uh, you had to push those guys when every guard on the roster was basically injured. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, uh, you know, it was good for experimenting, and I do suspect that if Isaac is able to sustain some health and and play consistent minutes, I do kind of suspect that the Magic will try smaller lineups. Now, like the Golden State Warriors death lineup, you know, everyone was like, oh, they should run that all the time. It's like, no, they really only run it for like two minutes at a time at the end of halves to kind of, you know, flip flip momentum against bench units. It, it, it wasn't, you know, until the playoffs, maybe when the matchup really called for it, that wasn't the lineup that they turned to. So I, I do think it's possible that we do see lineups where Isaac, Isaac Bancaro and Bogner are all together. In fact, Isaac and Bancaro did not play a single minute together last year. Oh, and again, wow. again, limited minutes with Jonathan Isaac. So we don't know how those two interact with each other. And so it is something worth exploring. And whether that means they, they go big and push Franz to the two, or they go small and push Isaac or Paolo to the five, there's flexibility to try different things and try some different things. But at the end of the day, it all comes back to whether Jonathan Isaac's healthy. Um, you don't want to push him to do things that he's uncomfortable with if you're not sure how long you're going to have him or you're not sure if he can withstand, you know, playing against the center for two, three minutes, um, if that's what if that's what has to happen. Um, and so I think they'll continue to be very cautious and, and keep things very simple with him, uh, at least early on. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, the, the pressure point there, I guess, is like he could just take some of Mo Wagner's backup sentiments and go in that smaller lineup versus, because, you know, we're going to get into it, but there is a plethora of guards on this team that, that need minutes and we need to see how it's all going to work out. So I think it is more likely they go small rather than big because Mo Wagner seems a lot more replaceable than, you know, the bench guards or the starting guards or the high draft pick guards that they've invested in, which is a whole uh, another topic, which we are going to get into in a second. But I think before we do that, I might tell you that today's episode is brought to you by Fangio Sportsbook. 
Football season is about to kick off. In fact, it already has. And FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long because right now when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. So whatever team that you pick to win the Super Bowl, every time that they get a regular season victory, you get some bonus bets back for it. And with those bonus bets, you can use it on spreads, you can use it on totals, straight up winners, money line. You can use it on player props. You can use it on over-unders. You can use it on futures. Whatever it is you want, you can do that. So go to fanjuelcom slash locked on and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sports book. I'm going to put some... Uh, go oh, well, if, if I had the ability to go to FanDuel, because I'm in Australia, I'd be going and having a look at the Miami Dolphins futures because, you know, at some point we've got to win something. I, I, hopefully. Are you, are you a Dolphins fan, Phil? I know, that or are you more Tampa? Uh, I, I flip between the Bucks and the Jaguars, but my oh, mom Jaguars, is a big yeah. Dolphins fan. Yeah, well, she knows, the, she knows the pain of winning one playoff game in 30 years or whatever it is. Uh, it has not been particularly good, but maybe it's this year. So go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. And don't forget to gamble responsibly. All right, Phil, there will be people who don't like this, but I don't know if I agree. I think I agree, but I th- the starting five. The Mark, depth chart is, is fun. Yeah, <laughs> so... Let me just... Let me just... They've got okay. a, lot, a lot of young guards, right? But the thing that... Look, no one's going to argue that Paulo Bunkera, Franz Wagner, Wendell Carter are going to start. That is locked in. That is 100% happening. There is no debate about that. I think... 90% of people will tell you that Markel Fultz will be the starting point guard. Again, no problem with that. It's the Gary Harris position that people are going to have concerns with because they have millions of young guards. They've got three other guards on rookie contracts, two of them top six picks in the last three drafts, yet Harris is penciled in as a starter. And I, I know the reason you're going to say you've put him there, but let's, let's, uh, let's get it out there. Let's say it out loud. Uh, so the reason Gary Harris is there is that, A, the team needs shooters. They, they mm-hmm. don't have a lot of shooting. Markel Fultz is still a non-shooter. Franz Wagner is a decent shooter. Um, Paolo Bancaro is a better shooter than his numbers show. He had a 1 for 32 February, it, uh, which while he was dealing with a nerve issue. Uh, when you take that 1 for 32 February out, he was 33.3% from beyond the arc, which is okay, not great. Um, and then Wendell Carter's Wendell Carter. He's your center. So they, they obviously need some shooting and, the, and their options off the bench with shooters are, you know, again, Cole Anthony or Jed Howard, Anthony Black's not a shooter. Jalen Suggs had a nice spurt at the end of the season, but he's not quite a shooter yet. So to me, when I look at the starting lineup and, and the starting line, this, 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 this five was the magic's most used lineup last year for a team that was, you know, uh, 29 and 28 uh, when Markel Fultz was healthy uh, after Dece- after December 7th, they were plus 0.8 points per 100 possessions with the starting lineup. So the starting lineup had success. It, it was cons- it was consistent. And with a young team, consistency matters. Now, I will agree with you that this is that that I have Harris penciled in. But to me, really, it, it's not necessarily his job to lose. It's Jalen Suggs's job to gain. Um, Suggs after the All Star break last year. Averaged, I think, 10, 11 points per game, shot 36% from beyond the arc. That's a 22-game sample. So it's not insignificant. But if Jalen Suggs is playing more like that version of Jalen Suggs, then all of a sudden the question at shooting guard becomes a little bit different. Now now you have maybe a a more reliable shooter in in Suggs. You have another guy who is a really disruptive defender. uh, And you can really kind of hang your hat on being like, hey, we got all this length. We got all these defensive players we can be a really suffocating defense, defensive team, and, and this can be something we, we can grow from. At, at, at the end of the day, the Magic just need to be able to score enough points. Um, like that's, that's still the big issue, and, and some of it is, yes, Paolo Bancaro was an inefficient rookie. All those arguments that people had for why you shouldn't win rookie of the year, 
that, those were fair criticisms of him. Now that obviously didn't keep him from winning Rookie of the Year, nor should it have because of the production he was he was having. But all those were fair points, and that's an area where Paolo has to get better at. Everyone else has to find ways to to become more effective offensively. And to me, that's why I still lean toward Gary Harris because he gives you some floor spacing. He's not going to need the ball in his hands to be successful. You know, he can be an outlet as a shooter. He'll he'll space the floor a little bit. But if Suggs is a decent enough shooter, then that question's going to get raised again. And so I I I, I would care. I, this is my starting five at the moment. But I, I think it's Jalen Suggs' spot to gain um, if he can. And if he can't, well, then come other questions about Jalen Suggs and where he fits into the bigger picture for the team. Yeah, I agree. Like, he, he needs to be able to win it in year three. I think he's already proven himself to be, if not elite, but pretty close to elite as a defender. Um, the passing is solid. He has some moments as a shooter, but it's just it waxes and wanes. And yeah, Harris, he, if he starts, he's not playing 30 minutes. He might play 22 minutes or 23 minutes or whatever, but just he's pairing out there with those other guys to open up the lane so that Fultz can drive and so Paolo can drive is important in those minutes that he's out there versus having him out there with a bench group uh, where it sort of wastes his shooting ability. So I do understand that, and it's about mixing and matching um, those those combinations. But yeah, I, I, I think that uh, to me, the only other the only realistic suitor for that position is Suggs. I don't really think anyone else is in line to be in the opening night starting five apart from Suggs or Harris. And we've seen Jamal Mosley over two years really tend to lean towards Harris early in the season. And then Harris has an inevitable injury that, that knocks him out and then Suggs takes over. Then they then he has an inevitable injury and then Harris takes back over and it sort of goes back and forth that way. But that takes us to the rest of your projected rotation. And some of those names are there. We've got Cole Anthony, Jalen Suggs, Jonathan Isaac, Anthony Black, and Mo Wagner. And there are three players in that group who you could consider, and you probably should consider, as point guards. Anthony, Suggs, and Black. Now, Suggs plays, he's a bit bigger. He can play, uh, he can guard at twos and threes as well. Cole Anthony's probably more of a shooting guard. I want to focus a little bit here on, we talked Suggs already and Isaac. I want to talk Anthony and, and Black a little bit here. Cole Anthony's a guy that yeah, I think is getting maybe a little underrated in some circles. He has some inefficiency problems, but some of his advanced stats were pretty strong last season. And I do think that he is in a situation where it's not going to happen in Orlando, but there is, I, th- I think there might be a starting guard in there in Cole, but I don't think this team views him that way. Is that accurate, Phil? I, I think that is accurate. And, and, and look, we, you know, the biggest debate left for this offseason for the Orlando Magic is whether to give, take, try and take care of Cole Anthony with an extension before restricted free agency. It, it doesn't feel like Cole Anthony wants, to, wants that taken care of. He wants to bet on himself, maximize his contract, obviously, next summer. Uh, and, you know, he's said it, you know, Cole Anthony, there's no bigger cheerleader for everyone on this team than uh, Cole Anthony. Yeah. But Cole Anthony has said it himself. He believes he's a starter in the NBA. And, and look, he started for a good chunk of the first two seasons of his career. Last year, he was almost exclusively coming off the bench. And, you know, he, you know, he definitely wants to start. He wants that prestige. He wants that responsibility. Um, but he really stepped into that sixth man role, especially again, especially after the all-star break. Um, he really had the efficiency really jumped up. He really seemed to like find his spark uh, at, at that, at that moment. And, and a lot of, you know, so many, a lot of these things for this team kind of came together um, in, in small ways after the all-star break. Um, but Anthony believes he's, he can be a starter, and, and that's going to be the, the kind of the ultimate question for, for the Magic and for Anthony is, does, does, does the role of the Magic have available for Anthony? Does that fit his vision of himself and, and what he believes he can do? Um, he will 
do the six-man role. The Magic will probably play him the most minutes of anyone off the bench, you know, because, like yeah. you said, Gary Harris probably only going to play around 20, 24 minutes a game. Marco Fultz is probably going to be in the high 20s. I don't think he'll hit 30 minutes per game. There's going to be inevitable injuries to players on this roster, and the Magic, I think, are certainly better situated to handle those injuries than they were last year. But Anthony is going to be someone that Steam relies on to kind of carry that second unit, whether that's on the ball or off the ball, or a little bit of both, honestly, um, and, and and provide some production and scoring and shooting. We'll get to Anthony Black in a second, but I, I you sent me through this rotation and you had Jonathan Isaac slash Joe Ingles. I deliberately left Joe Ingles off that little graphic because I wanted to keep it at 10, but I also wanted to just highlight that this is the problem with trying to work out this team. Now, we know that Isaac is going to miss some time at some point, so Ingles will get in that rotation, but there's, there's a one-man-too-many problem with this team, or probably two, because Jet Howard's not even in this mix Jet also. There, yeah. So Jet Howard and Joe Ingles, two of the guys they acquired out of the three players they acquired in the offseason aren't in that rotation. Um, I guess that, that, that's that's weird, right? That's a little bit weird to pay that money to Ingles. And look, again, you look at it and go, well, okay, unless is Isaac just the permanent backup center? Like where does Joe fit? They're not going to run 11 guys every night. So somebody is going to miss out. Is there a trade coming, do you think, whether it is Cole Anthony, Gary Harris, who are probably the two prime candidates I would expect? Is there a a trade that could happen before camp? I mean, I I always I always like to describe it this way. My my favorite my favorite meme to to explain this is is there's a meme that goes around to explain the difference between a tropical storm warning and a tropical storm watch. A tropical storm watch is and and, and it uses tacos to do this. uh, a storm watch occurs when all the conditions are present for a storm to occur. So you have all the ingredients for your taco to, to make. A storm warning is when you are eating the tacos. And it very much feels like all the conditions are present for a trade to take place. Um, I agree completely. Uh, depth is a really good thing for a young team. And, and I think that, like Gary Harris, the match are probably going to play Joe Ingles a little bit more toward the beginning of the season. And then, you know, if things aren't working out or depending on injuries or depending on what the team needs at any given moment, his minutes may tail off. And then all of a sudden he becomes an $11 million trade piece because he's got a team option on the second second year of his deal uh, toward the trade deadline. So, you know, whether it's Joe Ingles, whether it's Cole Anthony, it could be Jalen Suggs. Jonathan Isaac's contract next next year is fully non-guaranteed. So he is a free $17 million if someone's looking to cut salary to avoid the second apron or avoid any tax penalties. Markel Fultz is set to be a free agent next summer as well. That's $17 million. You can clear off your books too, um, or to resign if, if you, if, if Fultz has a really strong year, the magic have a, you know, the magic have good problems to have in training camp. There's gonna be a lot of internal competition. Their rookies, you know, they've said, they've all said it. The management said it. Um, coaches have said it. Rookies aren't going to be guaranteed playing time for this team. You know, there aren't 30 minutes to gift to any, to Anthony Black or to Jed Howard. You know, I, you know, you, you mentioned Gary Harris. If Gary Harris has an injury, that could be a spot where Jed Howard actually gets some minutes in kind of a Spursy way to, to keep all the, keep the rest of the rotation intact. Uh, so uh, a little bit, um, there are options and a lot of it's going to get earned in training camp and, Whoever loses some of these battles, or if you know the veteran wins that battle, that veteran could be shipped out toward the end of the year, or or that could could be used to help combine guys to make a serious upgrade uh, to help the postseason chase at the end of the season, or to set up next off season or, or during the off season when the Magic might be ready to push some more chips into the middle of the table. That is a great segue into Anthony Black because there are people who look at it and go, "Well, you know, he's awesome." I, I look honestly. 
I didn't like to pick at number six. I had Anthony Black outside my top 10. I just think that the there is, for the lack of shooting, there's no absolute outlier skill that offsets it like there is for Josh Giddy, like there is for Amen Thompson or Asad Thompson. I just think that he's he's good, but that's might become too much of a problem. And after that first game in Summer League where he shot 70%, like we saw those problems exist. And there are people who think, well, he's just going to jump in and start straight away. What's your expectation for Anthony Black in terms of playing time? Because yeah, I'm doing my projections here. I, I can't see him hitting 20 minutes a night. Yeah, I mean, I, I got I got uh, kind of criticized for this. I actually kind of think Jet Howard might have a better rookie year That's because possible, yeah. his his skills are more translatable to, you know, what the Magic need until the Magic kind of clean up their guard situation. You know, at this point, uh, Anthony Black feels like a more point guard oriented and bigger version of Jalen Suggs. Um, and so honestly, like, like, you know, we kind of talked about this a little bit. If, if Jalen Suggs can't earn the starting spot, I almost think that, you know, maybe Anthony Black takes Jalen Suggs' spot in the rotation. Um, the Magic have been pretty open that they may consider playing Anthony Black at some at the three a little bit. They believe he can play all three, all three kind of perimeter positions. Um, but yeah, his, you know, there wasn't a a clean fit for the Magic in this draft. So, you know, right. it, it, it seems like no matter who the Magic were gonna take at six, unless Asar Thompson fell to them, um, there wasn't going to be a perfect guy. Um, you know, like Taylor Hendricks might have fit because they may have needed another power forward to cover for Jonathan Isaac, maybe someone who can moonlight a little bit at the five. Um, but that would have been a little bit of a reach too. There, there wasn't just this like 100% perfect fit in the draft. And so the Magic did what they usually do, and they took the longest player uh, and and probably the most talented player, which, you know, honestly, at number, at number six, at that high in the draft, I'm usually for just take the best player available. You'll figure it out late. You'll figure it out later. But you know, Black has a lot of work to do. His shot is really concerning. Um, you know, he he said in a in a in a vlog that he did that he had some ankle issues during summer league, so the Magic yeah. weren't super concerned about uh, his lack of explosion. Uh, I really did love the way that he controlled the tempo and pace of the game. So I think that the Magic could bring him in in bench units, play Cole Anthony off the ball a little bit more, or he might be a little bit more effective and have Black kind of run point uh, a little bit more. But it, you know, I think for both rookies, for both Anthony Black and Jet Howard it's going to be an up and down run. Like they'll have their really good moments. They may have moments where they're both completely out of rotation. And, and it's going to be a really difficult thing for Jamal Mosley to manage because kind of hanging in the background here, which we haven't mentioned so far, the Magic, I think, do believe they're going to make the play-in tournament next year. You know, I think Ma Magic fans certainly expect them to at least make the post make the play-in tournament next season. They were the last team eliminated in the Eastern Conference playoff picture last year um, during the regular season. They believe they have the talent to to make the postseason, the players are all openly talking about it if management won't. Um, and so there's going to be at least a little bit of pressure to to win, um, which the Magic haven't necessarily had for the last couple of years. Yeah, there is. Abs absolutely. There is. They should be looking to make the plane in, and I, I think they've got a good chance of it. Let's go to the young players. And this is everyone who's under age, or 23 and under. So it's Paolo, it's Franz, Suggs, Black. Howard and Caleb Houston, but I do want to talk about Paolo because there was a little bit of consternation in the fantasy basketball community about Paolo Bunkera. Some people seem to think that he's not a valuable fantasy player and he's not even a draftable guy because just how bad his percentages are. They're so dreadful. Rookies but, are bad, folks. Yeah, this, <laughs> rookies is, are bad. this is what happens, right? So rookies <laughs> just struggle a lot. Now, Paolo had some issues with efficiency coming out of college. We knew that there'd be some of those problems. You highlighted that nerve issue, which torpedoed his entire February, basically, in terms of shooting. I'm expecting 
very, very significant increases in field goal and three-point percentage. Free throws, who knows, right? Maybe, maybe not. That might improve, but we've seen guys who the player he's most commonly compared to. Blake, he's going to get, get there. Yeah, like yeah. if he gets a 75, 76, that's all well and good. I'm expecting really big things from Paolo Banquero still. I, I, I think that he was far and away the rookie of the year, and I'm just not worried about that efficiency stuff from last season. Is... Yeah, there are people, you know, he's just, yeah, he's just a, a chucker and put up these numbers on a bad team. How do you respond to that? Like, how, in watching that, like, do you have concerns that he's just going to be a consistently inefficient player? You know, I, I look, I don't think he's going to be a consistently inefficient player. But when you look at, but he is attempting to be a star, and yep. and, and star players, by and large, not all of them, but by and large, they're allowed to be inefficient. You know, you're, when you draft a star player, when you bring a star player in, you know they're taking the bad shots. You know they're they're taking certain amount of shots that are not good shots um, because that's just the nature of being a star player. Like, he is going to take a lot of mid-range jump shots. That is the provenance of the stars. Um, and, and, and that means, you know, is he ever going to shoot 47 48%? Probably not. You know, he's not going to be Kevin Durant, although I think there are oh, some I think parallels between... I, I think, think well. Okay, I th- look, there you go. Not, not this. Not this year. I think that yeah. when you look at these star players, right? That by year five, he sh- I, I, there's no reason he can't be hitting 60 percent true shooting. Right? There's like he had true yeah. shooting of fifty three last season. Percentage fifty three. Yeah. And yeah. you know, look, the the big thing for Paolo is you know the big thing that really was like, oh, this this kid is something different. Was he got to the line seven eight times a night? Yeah. Like he like that's like, huge. I I I, I look you know I looked it up in Magic history. There are only four players. Who have averaged more than more than five five free throw attempts per game? I think it's Shaq. It's like Shaq and Dwight have like six, have like six or seven. Se- you know, all four of Shaq seasons, like six or seven Dwight seasons. Tracy McGrady and Steve Francis. Like Paolo is in it, it, even in Magic history in the elite group of attackers and and scores. And so yes, you know the guy had a twenty seven percent usage rate last year. The Magic wanted him to make mistakes. Like last year was the year to give him the ball say, hey, figure out how to score. Like, we're going to try and put you in good positions, but you need to figure out how to score. You need to figure out how to face this double team. And he's got to face more double teams this year than he did last year. So it's probably, if you're looking for Paolo as a fantasy option, there's probably going to be, be some ups and downs with his efficiency. Don't draft him for his efficiency. You're drafting him for his raw scoring number, his ability to get to the line, and, and that might be it. You know, maybe he'll increase his rebounding a little bit this year, which is something I've been really focused on as well, as well as his efficiency is saying like, hey, let's get that rebounding rebounding number up a little bit. Wendell can't do it all by himself. Um, but, you know, Paolo, Paolo is playing like a star. And yeah, you're allowed to do certain things when you are the star player of the team. <laughs> and, and one of those is you're going to take a lot of shots and they may not be good shots all the time. Yeah, I, I, look, absolutely. Like the indicators of what he was able to do suggest to me that, you know, 60 true shooting, 25, 9, and 5 in four years is absolutely on the cards. And it's going to be, look, if you're 53 true shooting, I think 55, 56 this season is realistic. And I just think it's going to improve even if, over the even next if three, four years. Shooting, even if he, so he averaged 20 points per game last year. Yep. Even if he shoots the 33.3% from three that I, that I said he shot, picking out the February stuff, that's another one and that may be another one and a half threes per game or, or something like that. That's four or five points that, that gets him to 20 to 23, 24 points. Yeah. It's, it's, 
I talk about this all the time with fantasy is that percentages are such a multiplier in that your percentages count as a category, but they also increase your scoring. So if everything else stays the same and you just increase your percentage by two percentage points, well, there's an extra one and a half, two points right there. It just adds on just because you just made that extra shot. So that's always the big indicator. If you, if you shoot poorly, it drops everything down and you look terrible. If you shoot well, you look amazing. And that's the thing I think is going to happen with Paolo. I was going to talk Franz now, but we'll talk about him a little bit later. But I want to talk this part of the magic. Is this it now? Are they they've got their core. Are they all in? There's no, you know, there's no tanking for picks. There's no, well, we're rebuilding still. It's like no, we need to be play in. We need to be playoffs perhaps this season. This is it. This is our group. Bang straight ahead. All they're, if they're not all in now, they're the step before all in. Um, is is how I would describe it. Um, I, I think what the Magic's goals are this year is they're they're going to just finally figure out what they have and what they need to move forward. So you know. I, I, like my expectation is they make the play in tournament. I, I believe this is a play in team I, at, at the very least. I don't want to limit them to that, but uh, I believe this is a postseason team. I believe they will be playing after the regular season, whether that is in the first playing game, in the big playing game, in the regular playoffs. I, I don't know yet. Cause you know, we just don't know how Paolo is going to improve. The goal this season is to let Paolo and Franz continue to improve, to get into these high pressure situations and then figure out which players thrive in the in, in the playoff spotlight and which players maybe don't quite work around this group um between you know between Paolo and Franz the magic have you know two pillars of their franchise of, of their future like those guys are the guys they want to build around and so this season's figuring out what works around them. what is what is going to make those guys better uh, and what do we need when we're ready to compete in, in a major in a major playoff series I don't want to say the Magic are all in because I don't expect them to make any win-now moves at the trade deadline or anything like that. I think they'll still work to keep their financial flexibility and and, and be able to do anything that they want. But by next summer, I, I do expect that the Magic will be ready to make some some bigger moves to try and push themselves up the Eastern Conference standings and up the Eastern Conference ladder. In my, I've projected out every team's win total at the moment. I'm gonna, I'll adjust it if other trades happen. But I do have the Magic tied for the ninth seed in the East, so that would be that play-in area that we're uh, that we're talking about there. All right, here's a question for you, which brings us to where I wanted to talk about Franz Wagner. Who do you think this team's best player is in 2025? So heading it at the end of the 24-25 season, yeah. Uh, I think so. This is this is like the great debate among Magic fans. Um, I would argue Franz Wagner is the best player on the Magic right now. hundred percent. That's hundred percent accurate. Like he is clearly the best player. Yeah, on this he's team, he's he, like the the complaint that he doesn't get the ball enough. Like yeah. yeah, he still takes the second most shots on the team, but he does not get the ball enough. Like good things happen when the ball is in his hands. Yep. Um, and you will see that with Team Germany uh, in the World Cup as well. Um, you will not see that with Paolo with Team USA in the World Cup. <laughs> no, you he's won't. Not playing the start. He's not playing the starting role, which is going to be very interesting to watch. Um, by 2025, I expect Paolo Bancaro to be the best player on the team. Um, his his rise and what he was able to show his rookie year were all just so impressive. Um, it's it's going to take some time to get the efficiency down and, and to just understand, you know, like I was, I was like watching uh, like video of like how Jason Tatum works out and how Kevin Durant works out and, and some of the video of Paolo working out with those guys um, that's been, that's been released. And with those, with those players specifically, you can just tell, how efficient they are getting to their spots. There is very little wasted movement. There's no wasted dribbles. That's the stuff Paolo's learning right now. And so, like, it takes a while to learn how to do that at the NBA level. You know, it takes two, three years. And he's still going to be very productive. He's still going to score a lot of points. Um, but he's not going to be at that level. 
by that third year, as we're getting ready to, to, to talk about his max, the max extension he's inevitably going to get, um, he needs, he should be at that level. And so by the end of 20, the 2025 or by the end of the 2025 season, I do suspect that Paolo will be the best player on this team and, and the kind of guy that the Magic believe can lead them out of the first round and, and make deep playoff runs with. Yeah, I agree. Franz is clearly the best player at the moment, and I do think that by the end of Paolo's third year, which will be the end of Franz's fourth year, that yeah, Paolo will be that guy. And yeah, I agree. So let's let's bang out three questions here. Breakout candidate, regression candidate, and trade candidate. Who's a breakout guy on this team? Uh, we have not talked enough about Markel Fultz. Um, Fair enough, yeah. The easy answer would be Jalen Suggs, but... People are not talking about Markel Fultz. Um, you know, after the All Star break, and 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 I know I've said a lot a lot after the All Star break, and the Magic were ten and ten, 10 and thirteen after the All Star break, and so I like to throw out those three losses at the end of the season when they were eliminated from playoffs, and they benched all their guys, but that's to be heard of there. Um, but after the All Star break is really important for Markel Fultz because usually recovering from an ACL injury, it takes you a full year to get back on the court, and then a full year to kind of get back to where you were. Uh, he came back last year after the all-star break. So after the all-star break was a full year, he averaged, I think 16 points per game, like five or six assists per game shot good efficiency off the bounce, like 62, 63% at the rim. Yeah. Um, this was a guy that looked, you know, he had some of those crazy dunks that we saw from Washington. He started to show what he, what made him the number one pick. Now is the shooting there completely? No. Does he still turn the ball over? Like I, I would describe him as, him as sometimes getting a little lazy, um, you know, just, just with his attention to detail, but Marco Fultz is not a guy people are talking about. Um, if there's a reason why this magic team could be like last year's Cleveland Cavaliers or even last year's New York Knicks, it's because Marco Fultz comes out and is averaging 15, 16, 17 points per game on good efficiency, passing the ball at, at a high rate, maybe like a seven to two, eight to two assist to turnover ratio. He is very, very capable of doing that. He, he was the number one pick for a reason and the clear-cut number one pick for a reason, and he's finally healthy enough, perhaps, perhaps, knock on wood, to, to show that now that he's hopefully going to have a fully healthy summer to, to kind of keep building on, on the success at the end of the season. We recorded this show, and then he went out and broke his toe in training camp last year. So fingers crossed yeah. nothing like yeah. that uh, happens here. What about on the the, uh, the other side of things? I don't really know who is like, a regression candidate. Like This team is all relatively young. Most of them are ascending, like you could say, I guess, Joe Ingles, but he already has regressed even before his ACL. Is there anyone you look at and go, oh, I'm a little worried about where things might be headed? Um. Jalen Suggs worries me a little bit, um, and I and I know that's not much of a regression, and, and we talked a little bit about a little bit about him, but it's let probably me throw a, another, lack, a lack of progression more for Suggs. Lack than, of than progress regression. more yeah. than a regression, yeah. yeah. Well, like he has his post All Star shooting and is shooting for the rest of his career. Um, yep. You know, if he's shooting like the rest of his career, that's probably going to be a problem. If he can't stay healthy, that's going to be a continued problem. If he plays like he did after the All Star break, you know, it, it feels like a coin flip with Jalen Suggs. So let me give let me give another answer then. Um, Wendell Carter mm. concerns me a little bit. It's not that I think he's going to necessarily regress. Uh, you know, what he averaged last year, like 14, 15 points per game, Sounds like eight right, rebounds yeah. per game. He was dealing with a plantar fascia issue all season long from like mm -hmm. December to the end of the season. It, he will never admit it, but it clearly slowed him down. So it would not surprise me if Wendell Carter had a really strong season. Certainly I, I would expect his rebounds to go up, but um, just from an overall standpoint, I, I have always had, this big question about Wendell Carter, whether he is the kind of center that can, that can buoy you in the playoffs. Um, he is, you know, he's not, he's a good defender, good interior defender, a decent shot blocker, but he's not like your typical above the rim shot blocker. 
You know, he's, he's going to get you maybe a block and a half a game. Um, if he could get that to two, then I'd feel a lot better. On top of this, he's missed. He's never played more than 65 games yeah. in any season in his career. And so injuries are always a big concern. I know that he's spoken about that publicly as well this summer, where he's really trying hard to make sure his body is ready for the season. Um, and I think, you know, if there's a if there's a weak spot for the Magic, it's relying on Mo Wagner and Gogo Batadze to be the backups to be the backup center options. Um, I like them both. I don't like them both as the backup for for Wendell Carter, especially when one might have to start 15 to 20 games uh, games next season. Um, Mo Wagner certainly a regression candidate too. He had a really strong season last year, and 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 you know who knows what's going to happen with him. Like him and Goga Batadze were kind of flipping back and forth as the backup center toward the end of last season for good reason. Um, so. You know, they gave him a lot of money, so I expect him to play. But, um, yeah, it, it's it's hard to find a regression candidate because just so many guys are just kind of either progressing naturally as, as rookies do or, you know, or just huge question marks and coin flips that, that could go either way. We already talked about this a little bit, but who, which one singular player is the most likely to be traded, do you think? I, I kind of think it's going to be Gary, Her- Gary Harris. Um just again to clear up that backcourt clutter. Uh, get, you know, if Jalen Suggs has earned that starting spot or, or is like bursting for more minutes, or even Anthony Black is bursting for more minutes, um, or Jet Howard is uh, in, in that case. Um, Gary Harris just seems like the extra guy. I I I I know the Magic need the veterans. They need some some older guys on the team. But I just I get the sense that the Magic would be aren't going to bring him back next year. And so maybe that actually makes him less likely to be traded because, you know, people don't value uh, expiring contracts anymore. Um, but uh, Gary Harris seems like the odd man out and, and, and it just, it feels inevitable. Um, I'll, I'll put, I'll put in, I'll put in a line for Cole Anthony here too, I guess, um, just because, you know, Cole Anthony, I think expects to start. He's probably going to ask for a salary in the 20, in the $20 million, in the $20 million range. Um, I think the magic probably want to get him, at 15 to 18, they may end up at 20 anyway. But, uh, you know, if Cole Anthony has a really breakout season and it looks like he's going to get more than 20 million a year, even with the cap going up the way it's expected, maybe this is a time to cash that chip on Cole Anthony and, and free up that space for, for Anthony Black and, and Jet Howard to play. I agree with all that. Now let's get to our win total projections. Last season, 34 and 48. They were minus 2.4 net rating, which was 24th in the NBA. And we both have sizable jumps. Fangio Sportsbook. Phil, the great FanDuel Sportsbook, has their over-under set at 36.5. We've both gone over. And in what is going to be a tradition that the host of the team podcast is going to be higher than me, you went with 40-42. I actually went 39-43. So we're actually not that far off in terms of the win total. That's not quite 500. I don't really... I think we've sort of all talked about our expectations for this team and where they sit. And that's that's where it is. We expect them to push towards 500 and to be in that play-in mix. Now... It's time for a game, Phil. And I told you we we're going to play this game at the start. And you were pumped. You were like, oh, let's go. I'm so excited about let's this. Let's do it. Let's do it. We're playing the gritty. We are doing Orlando Magic. There, you can see your teams. I've revealed them to you there. So, again, I'll just explain it to you. I've explained it to the listeners yesterday. But we can't do rarity scores because it's only you doing it. But what I have done is developed a formula that you get a score based on the players' games played for either of the two teams. So, I've gone through and put all their games played, all the players, <laughs> right? So if someone's played one game for one team and 400 for the other, and knowing that they played that one game for one team, that gives you a really good score. So it's based on the lowest games played for either team, and then they're all ranked within that thing to get a score. Now, across these six categories, Kane for the Bucks yesterday got a score of 218. So that's what, that's what okay. you've got to beat. 
So where do you want to start? Where, where, where on the board are we going to start things off here, Phil? Uh, before before we start, is this is this uh, do I do I, am I limited in my guesses? So if I, I get one get one wrong, do I lose? Yeah, you're out. Yes, you're out. Yep, it's uh, okay. we're, we're okay. playing okay. immaculate grid rules here. Okay, okay. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm 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 iffy. I'm I'm gonna start with Orlando Brooklyn because I have an iffy one that that I I'm not gonna guess because I'm I'm not I, I'm. Pretty sure he played for them, but for very, very few games, I'm not 100 percent sure. Um, for for Brooklyn, Orlando. Hold on, now 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 I'm second guessing. So, um, <laughs> let's start with Dallas, Orlando. Uh, give me Dennis Scott for the Dallas, Orlando square. I know Dennis Scott played uh, one season in Dallas, or one one season in Dallas, like 60, 70 games, something like that. Uh, that is, he did play around that. He played fifty-two games. Fifty-two games for um for Dallas. Um, unfortunately, that is not a particularly strong score for you. Okay, which that's all right. All right you got you can still beat Courtney Kane. Lee. Probably would have, Courtney Lee was probably going to be stronger. Courtney Lee, Courtney Lee could fill that whole first row. He, you know, well, that's that's true. I forgot about Courtney Lee. Dennis Scott gives you a, a forty point eight. Now the highest score for each okay. category is hundred. The lowest score is one. You got a forty point okay. eight there. He played fifty-two games for Dallas okay. in uh, in that season. So which where are we going next? Uh, give me the Boston Square. Uh, we're going to take Jameer Nelson. Ooh, ooh, Jameer Nelson. That's wow. That now, now that's an absolute my, cracker. I love that one. My favorite, my, one of my favorite locker room stories was was I was running quotes for the AP in the Celtics locker room, and Jameer Nelson and Gerald Jameer Nelson was cracking Gerald Wallace for the Magic beating the Bobcats in the 2010 first round. That is 1.64 for Jameer Nelson. <laughs> Jameer Nelson played six games for Boston. Wow, that is. Uh, Phil, you're back on track now. You've redeemed yourself there we go. after Dennis Scott. That is a, that I, is a I fantastic feel, score. I, I feel like I got to do the really obscure one that I'm thinking of for Brooklyn. Okay, let's 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 take the risk. What do we what do we? I got to take here? the risk. Ronnie Cycli. Oh, Phil. You, yes, yes, we're here. Ronnie <laughs> Cycli did play that. Oh, wow, that is amazing. DJ DJ Ronnie. That is an. A score of an 8.5 there for DJ Ronnie Cycli. He played 18 games for Brooklyn. I, yeah, I did not know that he played 18 games for Brooklyn or New Jersey yeah, as it was, was back uh, in the was, day. That was, a, that was a trade that nearly got canceled. Uh, the Magic traded for David Benoit. If I'm not oh, mistaken. wow, David Benoit. Um, we've got the Suns, we've got the Clippers, and then the last one is averaged eight rebounds per game while a member of the Magic in a single season. That's what that last category is. Okay, okay. Um Trying to think. I'm trying to think. Um, let's. Uh, so, okay, so let me let me let me clarify something. Is yep. this game? Does does games with the magic matter or games with the team that they're playing with matter? Because that 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 influences Either. my son's. Either guess. whatever whatever the lowest one is. So if they're all sorted by what the lowest okay. is. So they might have played 400 for the magic and then one for another team. Okay. Or they might have played one for the magic and 400. They would both still count as a okay. one one game. Okay. Okay. So for my son square then. Okay. Give me le- the legendary Jud oh. Bushler. Wow. I feel like Jud Bushler is just a great... Well, that's a fantastic score. <laughs> he played six games for Phoenix. Uh, he's he's a great answer for a few Oh, he only played six games for Phoenix. Wow. I, yeah. thought, I thought the Magic were the low, low end of that. No, no. He played six for Phoenix. I'm just going to have a look at his overall. He played 60 for Orlando and six for Phoenix. That's a... That is a wow! You are really nailing this, Phil. You are throwing down the gauntlet to all other locked-on hosts here. All right, so now we've got the Clippers or the eight rebounds per game. Uh, 
give me the uh for for the for the eight rebounds per game this is tough because there's only like i'll give you i'll tell you now there's only 12 players only in magic history who have had eight rebound per game seasons I, I, I'm not sure if the guy I'm, if the, the it's, obscure it's player I'm thinking of hit, the one, hit that mark. Yeah, it's the one Kane got wrong yesterday. Just trying to hit that eight is really tough. I'm going to, I'm going to go for it. Okay, let's go. I'm going to go for it. Legendary member of the Hard and Hustle team, Chris Gatlin. Oh, no, Phil. <laughs> that is not correct. He did not hit eight rebounds per game. Well, we've got one to go. Let's, let's finish it off okay. strong with the Clippers. Okay, strong with the Clippers. Um, he played the guy I'm thinking of played too too many games with. Yeah, he only played one game with Orlando, one season with Orlando. Uh, I gotta get low. Got this is gonna kill my score because I know he played a lot for the Clippers. I know he played a lot for. I know he played at least one full season with Orlando. Okay, there it I'm is. gonna go. I, I'm. I, we're, we're. This is this is bad radio. Uh, so give me Stanley Roberts for my Clippers square. Stanley Roberts. All right. Now, where is he? Even is he on this list? Stanley be. Roberts. Oh, don't make so... don't make me look him up. <laughs> oh no no, there he is now. I thought I thought we were going to miss him. Now he is there, and it's not actually that bad of a score. Stanley Roberts gives you a nineteen point three five. He he played one hundred and sixty games for the Clippers and fifty five for yeah. the Magic. So not a bad score there. And that I think. Where will that bring you in relation to Kano? You do you come in under you're at 172 as a total okay. number there. So you okay. are you also, are the, the leader, the leader in the clubhouse. But I have but I have but I have an empty square. So you know, we'll, uh, someone someone will fill the whole grid and, and beat me. They so. they will. Phil, well done. Thank you. Tell us what's happening over at Locked On Magic at the moment. Yeah, right now, uh, right now we are kind of getting all into fee. We're in our FIBA era right now, so we are chatting all about the five players the Orlando Magic have playing in FIBA basketball. That would be Paolo Bancaro for the U.S., Mo and Franz Wagner for Germany, Joe Ingles for Australia, and the legendary Goga Batadze playing for the Republic of Georgia. Um, and so we will, we, we will be talking all about basketball, getting ourselves ready for the season. Uh, I'm going through kind of areas where, where several Magic players need to continue improving and you know, kind of setting the table for what what we all believe will be a really fun and exciting season. But don't don't let all this talk of doom and gloom and questions make you think that this team isn't going to be fun. They're going to be your league pass team because uh, nope. they probably won't be on national TV very much. No, they are. They're going to be fun. That they were fun at times last year as well, and I think they're going to be even better this year. Phil, thank you for coming on and chatting about the Orlando Magic with me. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, as always, Josh. And that will do it for me today. Don't forget, follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. And if you are here on YouTube, thumb it up and leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.